How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time. We're going to sit down together to study the Word of God. And today, what I want to do is go over a topic that uh, I realize we haven't really discussed a whole lot and gone into detail about, and that is the unforgivable sin, i.e., blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. What is it exactly, specifically? How does it work? Um, is it as simple as cursing the Holy Spirit and then you're basically sealed to hell? Is is that what it is? So there's a lot of people out there that think that that's what it is. And believe it or not, the, the idea of specifically cursing the Holy Spirit will seal you to hell and you can never be saved. That's, believe it or not, actually Roman Catholic. Um, that's not actually what the Bible says, but uh, we are going to look into it in detail, see, okay, what does the Bible specifically teach on this? <clears throat> so please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. And uh, what we're going to do is dive into, firstly, understanding who is, what is the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. To be able to understand blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, we have to understand who and what the Holy Ghost is is and what he does and all this according to the word of god so what i want to do is start off firstly with first corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 to 16. first corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 to 16. but as it is written i have not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which god hath prepared for them that love him but god hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who, for who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. <clears throat> okay, so when you compare this with John chapter 14, 15, 16, and other passages uh, throughout the New Testament talking about the Spirit of God, we see the Spirit of God is just that, literally the Spirit of God. God is Spirit, and those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth, and it's His Spirit. Ephesians three seventeen, the Spirit of Christ lives in the heart of every believer, which is the Holy Spirit, which indwells us and seals us, Ephesians 1, 13. Now, we have no idea what God has planned for us. We can't even begin to fathom, mainly due to the fact that he sees our future clearly. He sees all things, knows all things. As it says, the Spirit of God searcheth all things, knows all things. Now, we are only able to go off the present. But then there's the catch here. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And we're going to get into this. And see, what does the Spirit of God do? Well, how does He work? And how does He affect us and our involvement? And what about the opposition? 
to the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to be going off some my notes that I wrote on this one. I wrote this up a while ago, and I want to share this study. So I hope that you'll appreciate this. And um, yeah, so let's take a look here. So again, going, we have no idea what's going to happen, what's going on. We don't, we don't know. The spirit of God teaches us. He instructs us. He convicts us. As we see, he washes us. He regenerates us. He draws and he calls. He's, he works. He does all these things. Now, also in for the saints, he prepares all things for us, uh, the things uh, of them that love him. So then this means that only those that obey and listen to God and follow his word will be guided by him. Now, what I mean by this is in term of discipleship. I'm not talking about salvation really. I'm talking about discipleship. The rebellious, the apathetic, and the disobedient will not have the Lord planning and guiding for them because they are resisting, they're fighting against. And so we see here that uh, the Spirit of God calls, draws, and instructs, but if we're being rebellious against and hardening ourselves, searing our conscience with a hot iron, so to speak, Titus 1.16, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. We see Psalms 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. James 1, 6-7. If you waver in faith, uh, 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 you receive nothing of the Lord. So we see again and again throughout the scriptures, talks about the, that uh, being uh, unforgiving. Neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you. Okay. So the things which God has prepared for them that love Him, He has preparation for us, uh, instruction, blessings, guidance all this for us to help us in this world in this life as saints but can we resist yeah we can resist john 14 15 to 17. if you love me keep my commandments so it's out of love not a mandatory uh, requirements but a, a, it's a want to not a have to if you love me keep my commandments and i'll pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. See, we know and understand the working of the spirit of God, but we know that he indwells us and seals us and teaches us and helps us, teaches us how to pray and everything, carries our prayers to the Father, but the world does not understand him. The world does not understand him, doesn't know who he is, doesn't understand this voice. But the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. The world does not. The Lord does this for us through the work of his Holy Spirit, which indwells every believer. The Spirit of God teaches us, guides us, grants us wisdom of the scriptures, teaches us how to pray, convicts us of righteousness and unrighteousness. But which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things to spiritual, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. Much like Romans 1, 18-25. So we're building up a bit of an understanding, a background, a foundation here, a case, before we really get down to the point of it. And we see Romans 1, 18-25, how they... How they they, and while they knew God, they glorified him not as God. And, and now they were thankful. They became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. And they suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. And changed the truth of God into a lie. Much like Romans 1, 18 and 25. For it, the things of the Spirit of God is foolishness unto the world. 
like Romans 8, uh, 1, 18, 25, where they suppress and twist the truth of God into a lie because why? They love darkness rather than light. John 3, 19 to 20. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For every one that do doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. Now, given this understanding that all things are led and taught by the Spirit of God, he is the one that grants wisdom and understanding and, and most importantly, most importantly, the Holy Ghost is the one that specifically enlightens the mind to salvation. Okay, so this is, you see all the different jobs that the Spirit of God does, specifically in that he's given to do all of this for us, for the world specifically. For the world specifically. The Spirit of God is the convictor of sin and the enlightener, if that's a word, the enlightener, uh, uh, of the of the gospel of salvation now for the saints we must understand salvation cannot be lost taken away or be recanted now they would ask the question well, what if a christian commits blasphemy of the holy ghost well first up uh, you can't and you won't want to uh first corinthians chapter 12 verse 3 uh, those who are indwelt by the spirit of god cannot curse christ uh, you will that uh, the spirit of god won't let you and furthermore There'll be such conviction and all of this, and that even the very thought of it will, will grieve and all this. You, as a born-again Christian and dwelt with the Spirit of the living God, will not want to, neither will be able to. First, Go look for 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 3. But for the unsaved who are not indwelt with the Spirit of God, and they are hearing a new voice, and the Spirit of God is the convictor of righteousness, the one who enlightens the mind to salvation in the first place. Now, what about those that reject the Holy Spirit of God? Let's take a look at this first. Now, Hebrews 6, 4-6, which is massively misunderstood by many people, is not talking about a saved person losing their salvation. But rather, we see that Hebrews 6, 4-6 is talking about something else. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened enlightenment is not salvation enlightenment is not salvation enlightenment is the head knowledge the understanding it is intellectualism it's that light bulb moment for it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift it's a tasting not not an actual partaking in the feast it's like uh, the example i use uh, you go to like walmart or go to the, the the mall or wherever and you see the lady there with the little kiosk thing with the little paper cups with a toothpick and the little piece of cheese and it gives you a tasting it's so you could get get an idea of what it's about to see if you want to actually partake if you actually want to uh, want uh want the the, the product that is what the spirit of god comes along and gives you a tasting see this this is this is what I'm offering. This is what I'm offering. And I've tasted of the heavenly gift. We're made partakers of the Holy Ghost. And I've tasted the good word of God. Because the natural man receiveth not the things that be of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. That the, the natural unsafe state, the man in the natural unsafe state, is incapable of understanding the word of God. You need the Spirit of God to understand the word of God. So it gives them a tasting of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they, those enlightened, not yet saved, if they shall fall away, 
how hard it is, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified themselves, the Son of God afresh, put them to an open shame. Because, well, what's to, what's to entice them? They've already tasted it. They already know what it's like, and they've already made the decision if they, they shall reject us. See, now, this is where it's coming to a head here. This passage, Hebrews 6, 4 to 6, also paired with 10, 26, Hebrews 10, 26 is a quick summarization of 6, 4 to 6. This passage here is speaking about the unsaved falling away, i.e. rejecting enlightenment, the knowledge of the taste of salvation. They had not yet taken hold. This does not relate to the saved giving up or losing salvation, as many think. Losing salvation or it being taken away, given up, denotes a, a working to keep it. So this is not talking about saved people losing or anything. You can't lose salvation. So we move on then to the next bit. 2 Corinthians 3. 15 to 16. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. As you see, for example, the unsaved individual in their natural state, they, they can't see it. They can't get it. It's like there's a veil there. Something's blocking and they can't understand. And when the Spirit of God comes and lifts the veil, oh, I see it. I get it. So we're talking about that this state that Hebrews 6, 4-6 and 2 Corinthians 3, 15-16 are talking about. When the heart is willing to hear, you see as 6, 4-6 is talking about those they're not willing to hear. They're shown, they're, 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 they're given the understanding, they, they see it, they get it, no, I don't want it, I don't want it. And they fall away, they go back to what they were, I don't, I don't care, but they, they pull the veil back down, I don't want it. But when the heart is willing to hear and heed, and turns to the Lord, then and only then will the Spirit of God lift the veil completely and allow the understanding of the Scriptures take place, and only then will the person be able to clearly see the salvation of the Lord. As the natural state of 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, they are unable to see and understand it for themselves. But a hardened heart, a heart that is full, outright, rejecting, resisting, doesn't want it. Doesn't want to hear it. Hardened heart causes the Holy Spirit to go silent to them. They, they, they've silenced the Spirit of God to them. They've told the Spirit of God to be quiet. I don't want to hear it. Go away. Leave me alone. And the Spirit of God will not force. God does not force his understanding. He doesn't force salvation. He doesn't force individuals. Additionally, to the rebellious Christian, if they are being apathetic and rebellious, as a spoiled, rotten brat of God, so to speak, if they are being apathetic and rebellious, they too are unwilling to hear and heed, they will not be given guidance or help until they are obedient to the Lord and listening to him. Like, like for example, the prodigal son. He was not brought under conviction of what he had done and where he was. He was not brought under conviction until he had come to the place where he was willing to acknowledge his error and then he was led back to his father. John 15, 7, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. He remembered his love of his father. He remembered who his father was and the state that it was like with his father. And he looked at where he was in the pig pen and he 
If thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, and the Lord even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows, he hated the pig pen. He loved his father. He got up and he repented himself. And he went back to his father and he was forgiven and cleansed and all that. So when we, we see then blasphemy is irreverence, disrespect, sacrilegious behavior directed towards the Holy Spirit of God. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, understanding who and what the Holy Spirit of God is, is direct rebellion and disregard of the Holy Spirit's guidance. It is not like a direct cursing of the Holy Spirit of God, though that be a terrible, wicked thing, but it goes deeper than that. You see, a lot of people focus on, well, I I said this, or I did this thing that, that I perceive as blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Wait a minute, just back up a moment. You see, what I'm interested in, in seeing, though, is not specifically what the person did, per se, but rather where it came from. You see, it, it produces from a hardened heart. It produces from a hardened heart. Yes, blaspheming, cursing, speaking against, mocking the Holy Spirit of God is great sin, but we must inspect the reason of the blasphemy. Where it is coming from, this disrespectful, irreverent attitude, speech, whatever, where it's coming from. The heart state of the individual uh, who would directly resist and speak against the Holy Spirit of God and his instruction or conviction or whatever else. The actual forbidden sin is stubborn refusal to allow the Holy Ghost to work. It's directly refusing to listen to what he's saying. Now let's look at look at Mark 3, 28, 29. Just bear with me. Mark 3, 28, 29. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. So the Holy Ghost is the witness of Christ. Christ's spirit that that uh, that draws them to him and then if they believe he indwells them and seals them the holy ghost is the witness of christ he's the one that lifts the veil gives enlightenment of the gospel he's the one that seals the heart that turns to christ he is the one that, that takes our prayers to the father he is the one that speaks to us the holy spirit the holy ghost is the still small voice of god okay john 16 13 to 15. Albeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. And he goes on to say how I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will send you my spirit. So all the manifestation of God, teaching of God, wisdom of God, enlightenment of the word of God, building of the faith, teaching to pray, strengthening the saints, etc. All this work and more is done by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God. Blasphemy of him then is refusal to acknowledge, listen, 
or refusing to allow him to work, guide, or speak. This is a disrespectful, stubborn attitude and behavior being directed at him. And since he is the actual Holy Spirit of God, this is a blasphemous attitude and behavior to have towards him. This disrespectful, sacrilegious, irreverent type behavior that's blasphemous. It's blasphemous. Now, it says in the Word of God, the, the one point that we're talking about, it says, All sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. But then it goes on to say, but he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. So if all sin can be forgiven and we can, so to speak, speak against Christ, and even that is forgiven. But if I speak against the Holy Spirit of God, that can't be forgiven. That does, I don't understand. Why then is disrespect, this stubbornness against this opposing of the Holy Spirit of God, why is this damning? This is the question. Why is it damning? Because he is the voice and witness of the gospel of Christ. Refusal to hear him will then not allow you to understand the way of salvation. Now, only unbelievers can be damned to hell. Saved individuals cannot lose their salvation. Salvation cannot be lost, taken away, or be recanted. Now, we can sin against the Lord, and like Ananias and Sapphira, our, life, our physical lives can be taken, but your spirit is still saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Uh, that uh, the severe discipline can come upon us as children of God, but the children of God can never be kicked out of the family of God. When did the prodigal son cease to be a son of his father? But for the unsaved, though, they are in danger of hell if they don't believe the gospel. You see it? And because the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, is the witness of Christ, is, is the convictor of sin, is the one that brings the knowledge of the word and is the one that enlightens the mind to the gospel. If I fight against, resist, oppose the witness, the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, I am then opposing myself. I am endangering myself to the damnation, this, this sin until death. Because it is only of and by the Holy Spirit that the veil is lifted for understanding and belief. Christ saves the hearts of men. The Holy Spirit gives the heart the understanding of Christ. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is apathy, ignorance, disobedience, or any disrespect towards him that does not allow him to teach, witness, or guide the hearts of men. It is a determination to resist the conviction, resistance of instruction, resistance of the conviction of sin, fighting against the cross, determination to remain in the sinner's natural state. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads the heart of the believer back to God, like the prodigal, the one that gives the guilty conscience, that gives the guilty conscience towards sin. It is of the Holy Spirit that we know when we have sinned, 
So 1 John 1, 9 can then take place if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, seeking to be forgiven. It's only possible by the witness and guidance of the Spirit to bring us back to holiness and purity before God. So John 16, 7 to 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. So, damnation then. They received in themselves damnation. They speak against curse, blaspheme the Holy Spirit of God. Damnation by resisting the Holy Spirit is only when an unsaved heart refuses to hear the Holy Ghost witness of Christ. The only sin that is unforgivable is refusal to accept Christ unto death. Now, let's explore this. First John 5, 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for, for them that... I'm sorry. Let's try this again. I get tongue-tied. Verse John 5, 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. So the sin until death is what this is talking about. The unforgivable sin, the sin until death. Refusal of the Spirit of God, resistance of his conviction until death takes you, that will earn you damnation because you have rejected the witness of Christ. Refusal of Christ brings damnation because only Christ can save you and his, and his witness, the Holy Ghost, is the one that gives the understanding of Christ. Thus to snide, ignore, or to be apathetic towards and refuse to listen to what God is trying to tell you will cost you your eternal soul. John 3, 16 to 19. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not, Jesus says it, he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is what brings condemnation. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So, be, so loving their sin, their darkness, over Christ is what will cost you your eternal soul. You damn yourself by resisting the conviction of the Spirit of God, and you, and you sin until death, and you'll never receive forgiveness, because you were, you were never you never allowed yourself to see what the Spirit of God wanted to show you. What do you want to give you the taste of, the light of, the glimpse of? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's as simple as that. Do not resist the conviction of the Spirit of God. Let today be the day of salvation. Proverbs 27.1 Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. James 4.14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? 
It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. Romans 10, 9-13 That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart men believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference in the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And some people say, well, well, I feel that I've gone too far. I've blasphemed. I've done horrible things. I've sold my soul to the devil or something else. Ezekiel 18 verse 4. God owns all the souls. All souls are mine, God says. So how can you sell that which you don't own? How can the devil own that which God already owns? As we see, the only sin that's un unforgivable is resisting the Spirit of God unto death. Because you can't receive forgiveness for that which you don't feel conviction for. So, nobody is beyond the grace of God. Nobody's beyond the grace of God. Apostle Paul was committing the blasphemy, fighting against, resisting, and cursing, and blaspheming Christ and his work and his conviction and the testimony of the saints and destroying churches and killing Christians and torturing them, causing them to blaspheme Christ and, and breathing out threatenings and slaughter. And then Christ appeared. He was shown, he was given the light of the taste of the glimpse of, and he, he called Christ Lord. And he repented and believed the gospel and got saved. First John 2, 1-6 My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. First John 5.13 How can we know that we are saved? First John 5.13 That ye may know that ye have eternal life. Because you believed. Because you believed. All sins will be forgiven. But what about, what about if I've cursed the Spirit of God? Well, maybe you did. Maybe you have. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Does that bother you now? Are you worried about this? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to know if you can be saved? Well, the fact that you feel conviction about it goes to show the Spirit of God is now being able to convict you and show you. That means you've softened your heart. You're no longer committing the sin. Like Saul of Tarsus, you are seeing, you are knowing, you are hearing, you are tasting of it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and all blasphemies can be forgiven. But if you resist and you fight against the Spirit of God, you are silencing the Spirit of God, searing your, your conscience against Him. You're resisting His conviction, resisting His work upon you. And, and committing this until death, you will never be able to receive forgiveness. This is the unforgivable sin. This is blaspheming the Spirit of God. This is what the passage is talking about. It's not a one-time action, one-time sin, but a continuation. But as we see... All can be forgiven if we turn to the Lord and believe on Him 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be washed whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be washed white like wool. This is the promise of God. No sin is greater. No sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ.